You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm really glad that you could join me for this episode today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. In today's episode, we're going to be covering decision-making. And I know that when it comes to being able to make decisions that many of us feel like there are just these barriers that keep us from being able to A, understand our options and assess a situation, and then B, have the ability to pull all that together to make a wise decision. And as single moms, we feel that a lot of the weight on us to make decisions is just solely on our shoulders, that we don't have the ability to bounce ideas off of a partner, especially when it comes to things that have to do with raising our kids. For me personally, this topic of decision-making has been a struggle for my whole life, if I'm really being honest. If I look back into my marriage, I had a very difficult time with making decisions, and I mean over little tiny things. And really where that stemmed from was a lack of confidence in my abilities and believing that I could make a wise decision. And then if you've been through anything like gaslighting before, gaslighting is designed to make you doubt yourself and to just bury you under this fog of confusion. And so you're not even really sure of what reality is. And so making decisions becomes incredibly scary in that type of environment. And after my divorce, I did see that a lot of fog started to clear and I started to gain a lot of confidence in myself. But then as I had to make decision after decision after decision on my own, I just felt now consumed by this decision fatigue, as it's called, where you just get so tired of making decisions. And I know that you can relate to that. Now, with this subject, I know you probably know yourself. You know whether or not on this continuum of decision-making, whether you tend to get frozen underneath the weight of it all, or if you tend to rely more on your emotion and perhaps even go to a place of acting more impulsively. But to help us to unravel all of these complicated factors is Dr. Andrea Mata. Andrea is a clinical psychologist and a professor, and she's going to help us to unravel some of those things that might be bogging down our mindset when it comes to decision-making and what we can do to get beyond those things to feel more confident when it comes to our decision-making. Now, certainly there is a very big spiritual component that goes into decision-making as well. And that's something I'm going to dive into in a future episode. But in this episode, Andrea and I are talking about strategies and things that we can practically implement to help us with making good decisions. Struggles with decision-making can actually be seen in our relationship patterns. And as I said, there's this continuum where we may be somewhere in between totally freezing and just jumping into things. And that can actually contribute to our experience with loneliness. At agapemobs.com forward slash quiz, I've created a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And if you'll take that quiz and it's just a couple of minutes, you'll get a sense for what some of the thought patterns that 
you might be falling into are that are keeping you experiencing these long-term feelings of loneliness, and you'll get some ideas about what you can do about them. Again, if you'd like to start that quiz, it's at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. Before we dive into the conversation today, I'd like to tell you about Dr. Andrea Mata. She's a clinical child psychologist who specializes in treating antisocial and aggressive behaviors in children and teens and is a professor at the University of Findlay. She strives to strengthen families by teaching coping, conflict resolution, and parenting skills. Dr. Mata can be heard on the Bright Spot podcast, which provides practical tools for dealing with everyday problems. And she hopes to continue living out her mission of fortifying the family. During this conversation, Andrea helped me to better assess what my strengths and my weaknesses were when it comes to my decision-making skills. But I also felt that she gave me some great steps to take so that I could grow in this area. And I hope that you'll be able to do the same thing too. Here is my conversation with Dr. Andrea Mata. Andrea, I am so excited to have you in studio with me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm excited too. Yeah, this is a topic that I know I have struggled a lot with. And the reason is just as I've walked through this healing process, my perspective on making decisions and what I'm capable of and my confidence or lack thereof has just been put on display and I've had to really learn some new skills. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited for you to kind of shed some light in some of these areas. Yeah, decision making, it's its a difficult task to kind of work through. And depending on how you've grown up and the parenting that you received and whether or not you were able to make your own decisions or someone else made all of your decisions for you, we see the gamut where people are, you know, they're terrified of making decisions. Mm -hmm. um, they think they're going to make the wrong decisions or they've been burned by decisions that they've yeah. made in the past. And so, yeah, this is a topic that I talk with a lot of like my clients about um, just trying to help them problem solve and make decisions that are going to work for their lives. Well, and we can be transparent. I mean, I have made some pretty big <laughs> Who has bad, made bad decisions. decisions. <laughs> I mean, with the best of intentions, but uh -huh. overall, it's understanding though. And, and, you know, for listeners, it's like many of us come from the perspective of like, whoa, something we decided didn't work out so well. Mm -hmm. And so we may be really gun shy about making decisions. But, and as you and I have talked about before, if we understand though, some of the underlying issues or even just the way we might be wired towards making decisions, right. that if we become more aware about those things that we can actually then start to grow. Mm -hmm. So as we dive in here, talk to me about making decisions and some of the styles that are just kind of inherent in the way that people approach this. And if there is an advantage to one over another or challenges that come along with those styles? Um, so when we talk about kind of decisions, we usually see people kind of fall into dominantly kind of in one of two categories, but obviously they're on a continuum. So we call it either the maximizer. So the person who, when they have to make a decision, they're going to do all of the research. They are going to spend a lot of time, a lot of resources, a lot of energy, trying to find out all of their options, explore, look at all of the Amazon reviews. I was going to say reviews. <laughs> reviews. Yeah. They're going to go on Yelp to find out whether or not it's a good restaurant. And so they're going to spend a lot of time because they're trying to maximize, hence the name, mm -hmm. their choice. They're trying to find the absolute best possible outcome. And they tend to take 
a lot of time and they're much slower in making those decisions because they're considering everything and they don't want to make a poor choice. Um, and so they're always like, well, what if there's a better choice out there? Mm -hmm. So I tend to be a maximizer when it comes to things like a planner, like a, a daily planner or a weekly planner. Like I want to look at all of the options okay. and explore and look through all of those things and see which one is the best possible choice and what's going to work for me the best. And you'll see me like I'll be on Amazon and I'll go to all of the stores that have different planners and I'll look through all of them um, and then I'll make a decision. But at the same time, like the advantage to that part is that once you've made that decision and once you've figured out which one's the best for you, you don't have to make that decision again. Hmm. It's done. It's over. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the advantages of being a maximizer in some, some decisions. And then you have what's called a satisficer. Mm -hmm. um, and what that kind of stems from is that you are satisfied with it's good enough. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of go in and you just you make a decision. It's they have this option or this option, and then we just you just go with it, mm -hmm. and you don't you don't do research. You just get okay. Give me the options, and now I'm going to make a decision. It's very very quick. Mm -hmm. So I tend to be more of a satisficer when it comes to like where are we going to eat. Mm -hmm. Like I don't care. Like it's very rare that I care where we're going to eat yeah. because I can find something to eat at most places that we if all places that we go. Um, so like just. Give me some options. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on those kind of things. And the advantage of Satisficer is that you're not you're not spending a lot of time and you're able to kind of cope with hmm. the consequences of your decision because you're like, oh, well, if it didn't work out for me this time, next time it'll just work out for me. I see. Whereas the maximizer is like, it's the end of There's the so world. There's so much anguish over exactly. a wrong decision. <laughs> And there's not even a wrong decision. It right. just didn't. Just not as good. It's not as good. It didn't work out for that person at that so point. So they may be more inclined to have some regret, mm -hmm. more regret anyway. Yes. Whereas the satisficer is kind of looking for what's the net gain? Mm -hmm. What do I get out of the, the choice that I made? Right, exactly. So like you would think if you think about like um, type A versus type B personalities. Mm -hmm. So like the maximizer is going to be more likely to be like a type A personality, the planner like having to, you know, figure out all of the choices, whereas like the satisficer is going to be more likely to be um, a type B personality that's more go with the flow, mm -hmm. easy kind of mm -hmm. stuff like that. Well, and I like that you're saying though that it does depend on certain areas mm -hmm. that we might be more maximizer with this sort of area and satisficer with something else. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing I've, as I've analyzed myself in this, I've understood that situations can cause me to be more cautious about a decision or less. Right. And for me, a lot of times in my life, there are, are definitely tendencies towards being a satisficer. But when I was in a very chaotic and toxic relationship, mm -hmm. I needed to have just grab some kind of control anywhere I could. And right. so that's where I was mm -hmm. really analyzing like all those reviews and looking at the pros and cons of everything right. and just waiting until the last possible minute to make a decision mm -hmm. so that I could feel confident that I wasn't going to make a mistake. And I didn't realize until much later that that was an overcompensation. Mm -hmm. And so as I've healed and as time has gone on, I've become more comfortable with my ability to make decisions right. to the extent that I can make them more quickly, mm -hmm. that I trust my past experience to inform mm -hmm. what decision I need to make in the future and that I don't have to analyze as many options. Mm -hmm. So I, and I guess there's kind of a spectrum here though too, where you may not be fully one or the other, right. but it's a, a trend in one direction mm -hmm. or another. So as far as benefits though, 
long term, is there a benefit to doing one over the other? Because I've seen where my tendencies to do satisficing mm-hmm. have actually sometimes looked like settling. Right. But sometimes with maximizing, you get this analysis paralysis. So right. what 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 should we know about that? I think with I think because then you also have the benefit of like the maximizers, like once you make the decision, then it's it's made. And so I think you just want to make sure that it's not, and this is from like a clinical standpoint, if it's impairing your life, if it's preventing you from living a high quality life, or um, so the maximizer. So if you it's preventing you from like living life and you are just completely like in the analysis and not enjoying mm-hmm. your children, mm-hmm. um, your friends, you're not taking care of yourself um, because you're just focused in on your decisions and it's ruling your life, well, then that's where it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's probably where you need to go more down the road of Satisficer. Well, with Satisficer, if you're just making rash decisions and you're not thinking through them and they're kind of like kicking you in the butt, then you also want to probably say, okay, I need to take a little bit of time. Again, it's impairing your functioning. You're experiencing consequences that you don't like and you don't want part of your life, Mm -hmm. then that's probably when you need to take a step back and probably move a little bit more towards the maximizer side. Well, and I see that emotions then can really tie Mm -hmm. into this because if we're making or not making a decision based out of fear Mm -hmm. or something like that, then our emotions can overrun our decision-making abilities Mm -hmm. and cause just either reactivity or avoidance of situations or those types of things, or even analyzing the decision after it's been made. Mm -hmm. So how can we use our emotions as something that can inform our decision-making process and can be helpful, Mm -hmm. but keep them from running our lives and and our decision-making process? Yeah. So one of the things that I talk a lot about in therapy is the difference between what I call or what people in dialectical behavioral therapy will call like emotional mind versus logical mind. Mm. And so you tend to have one of two going on. One tends to be activated when the other one is deactivated. And so when you're experiencing an intense emotion, because something bad has happened, something has triggered you, or even positive emotions, like celebratory kind Mm, of thing. Okay. So any intense emotion, your your ability to analyze, your ability to think logically is actually shut down. Mm. Because all of your cognitive bandwidth is used up with your emotion. Emotion. And so Mm. when you're making a decision and you tend to be either fearful or excited or having these intense emotions, it's actually better to wait about 10 to 20 minutes Mm. and allow those emotions to come down. And then once those emotions come down, then you can start to kind of creep back into logical mind or more ideally what's called wise mind where you consider both the data and your emotion Mm -hmm. into your decision Mm -hmm. and then you're able to make the decision best decision for you and you know your family and your children and those kind of things and so waiting that one of the big things that I say is like really waiting for those emotions to come down that 10 to 20 minutes because emotions will come down yeah. and it's just a matter of not doing something that you're going to regret Yes, in that 10 to 20 minutes. So sending very emotionally charged text messages or mm-hmm. emails or emotional eating or yeah. self-harm or mm-hmm. s- doing things that you're going to later regret because you were an emotional mind. Yeah. So giving yourself 10 to 20 minutes 
just to feel those emotions. I know you had Chip on mm -hmm. um, a few weeks ago. Um, just feel those emotions and allow those emotions to subside and then go into and try to analyze decision-making. That's really good. And I like the point that you're making that these could be positive emotions, but mm -hmm. that causes impulsivity. That yes. causes us to like jump right mm -hmm. into something that we probably need to be a lot more cautious about. Right. And we tend to look at just the analysis paralysis mm -hmm. from fear, but right. there really can be a tie into excitement. Exactly. Because like when I get excited, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to send this person a text message. And I was like, wait, mm, no, let yeah. me pull back yeah. and yeah. let me wait till this comes out and wait that 20 minutes and see if it's still a good idea when my emotions aren't controlling yeah. my prefrontal cortex. There's a lot of different dating decisions I think I could have made. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this. <laughs> Yeah, like it comes up a lot. Like the whole like te text messaging, yeah. it's just so yeah, yeah. easy to text message when you're emotional yeah. and you just need to put it away and put it down. <laughs> put and it stuff down. Like put it down. Put the phone down. Journal for a little bit. Exactly. Journal. Do something constructive. That's do good. some yoga. Do some breathing. Watch something that, you know, is going to distract you for that 10 to 15 yeah. minutes. I think that's great too, though, because it gives us the ability to say, ooh, I am triggered by this decision. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to make it. But I maybe want to explore what that trigger is, mm -hmm. resolve it, and then come back to this so that I'm not constantly avoiding making a decision because I'm triggered over and right. over. Exactly. So that's kind of giving me perspective for these like more in the moment type of decisions. But mm -hmm. if I think about like over the long term, some of us have, as I said before, have made maybe not the best choices. Mm -hmm. And so our confidence in being able to make bigger decisions and life-changing things when it comes to where am I going to move or what am I going to do for my kids' therapy treatment or whatever the situation might be. Something that's a little bit larger has a heavier, weightier consequence. How can we start to look at the way that we analyze those choices so that we're not stuck in that analysis paralysis? Mm -hmm. And so one of the probably the first things and one of the first things that I would typically go to is like a pros cons list. Mm -hmm. So like list out, you know, what are the what are your options? And then, OK, what are the pros for that specific option? What are the cons? Um, but then as I've kind of dived a little bit deeper into decision making, um, I read this book that was like mm, pros and cons lists aren't the best. Mm -hmm. And then the main reason for that is because we have a limited view of what our options are. There mm -hmm. might be some other options mm -hmm. that we're not considering. Yeah. Um, and so we want to kind of sit back and really take those blinders off mm -hmm. and see whether or not there's some alternative options, mm -hmm. um, some other paths that we can go down. So one thing, if you are going to do a pros and cons list, one thing I always kind of suggest is having um, like a two by two. And so it's, okay, so here's one option of like, okay, am I going to get a, divor a divorce? Um, so leave, but the pros and the cons mm -hmm. of leaving, mm -hmm. but then the pros and the cons of staying yeah. um, and really kind of tapping in and realizing, because a lot of the time people will say, okay, well, the cons of staying are the pros mm. of leaving, mm -hmm. but that's actually not the case. Mm -hmm. Like you have to really kind of be more nuanced with those bigger decisions yeah. um, so to really break it down. Yeah. It's not just, and I think you're right. We tend to think like, well, the, the opposite is true of mm -hmm. the other option. And it's like, eh, not necessarily. Right. Yeah. And so you break it down into that. But then also one of the things that I tell my clients is to weight those decisions mm -hmm. because you may have eight pros and you might have only two cons, but those cons are so 
much tied into what you value and you care about them a heck of yeah. a lot more yeah. than any of those pros. And so a lot of the time I'll tell my clients to, on a scale of one to 10, of how much does that specific pro or con matter to mm. you to assign a number to it. Oh, that's good. And then add up the numbers for the, add up the numbers for the pros oh. and the two cons, and then look to see which number is the the highest number? I like that because it feels almost like a grade. It's mm. like this is a, right. a number, like a numerical value mm-hmm. I can add to this decision and go, okay, well, this actually mathematically scored mm. higher than this choice over here. Now, how do I feel about mm-hmm. that seeing the numbers play out this way? Right. And I think sometimes we have an, an underlying understanding of how we already feel the direction we're inclined. Mm-hmm. And so we're just trying to get head and heart to kind of be right. online together. Mm-hmm. But that I think is really difficult, especially when, you know, for example, as we're talking about, you know, leaving a, an unsafe relationship, for mm-hmm. example, that we may know in our mind, this is an unsafe situation. I have to get safe. But our heart may be drawing us back towards that situation or drawing us back towards that person right. or ignoring red flags mm-hmm. or whatever the case might be. So as it comes to things like that, mm-hmm. do you find that, you know, waiting these kind of things helps or is there a way that we can kind of get the emotions in check in the case where we know that they're overrunning our minds? Right. So like another thing, uh, another issue that bros and cons falls into is what's called confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. And so we're only looking for information mm-hmm. that's already in agreement to what we think is the right answer. Mm-hmm. And so if you do a pros and cons, and so I think it's a matter of like not making, not sitting down just tonight and doing the pros and cons, but doing it over a few days so that you're in different emotional states oh, and you're kind of processing and you're thinking about it. Yeah. And then another another tip I would always have is kind of sit down with someone that you trust, mm-hmm. someone that doesn't have a dog in the fight, mm-hmm. um, someone who's objective. So a clinical psychologist, a therapist, a friend who can be objective yeah. and be able to provide you with you know, an alternative perspective, something that you may be missing Mm -hmm. because they're not suffering from your, your confirmation bias. They're looking just out for the best interest of you. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think even in that you point to the fear sometimes gives us an idea of this is what's going to happen. If I choose this, X is going to be the consequence. Mm -hmm. And it's maybe not always necessarily the case. And so we really have to walk out the understanding Mm -hmm. maybe of people who've walked down those roads before and said, okay, tell me about your experience Mm -hmm. and have an understanding of what a variety of different outcomes can be Mm -hmm. in those situations. Just like we're talking about, you may have a variety of different choices to choose from that you didn't realize Mm -hmm. because you're kind of thinking, well, is it A or is it B? And it's like, well, there could be C, D, and F. (laughs) So as far as being in the single mom space though, and Having made some of those bigger decisions, whether good or bad, we're we're living in the world of the consequence Mm -hmm. now. And so with that comes now a whole bunch of decisions, a whole bunch of managing a household and all the little decisions that go with that day to day. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. (laughs) Yes. So when we think about, though, just this concept of like decision fatigue, and then we can just Mm -hmm. get worn out from making so many decisions. How can we manage that so we have energy for these bigger things or the things that we didn't expect? And just take some of the stuff off of our plates. Right. Because, like, if you think about it, like, I think the statistic is, like, you make 70 conscious decisions a day. And if you are no trying. No wonder we're exhausted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you are trying to maximize all 70 of oh, those gosh. decisions. Wow. Yeah. You, you're not getting anything done 
that you want to get done and you're not enjoying your children and you're not enjoying your life and those kind of things. And so what uh, one of the things that I encourage people to do is to try to automate those irrelevant, unimportant mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. So some examples would be like, what are you eating for food? And again, this is, maybe this is just me being a satisficer when it comes to food, yeah. but it's like come up with, okay, for dinner, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with, okay, Mondays we have lasagna, Tuesdays we do tacos, Wednesdays we do a crock pot meal, Thursdays we do fish, Friday we do pizza, Saturday we do this, Sunday we do this. And then you don't, it cuts down on so much time because then you're like, okay, well, now you don't have to sit down and figure out what are we going to do for dinner for this next week. And then you don't have to come up with a grocery list. I was just thinking that. I was like the ripple effects of like, well, now that makes grocery shopping so much easier. Yeah, because you just use the same grocery list. You just make one on your, you know, Microsoft Word and then just print it off and then take it to the store. And then you add some of the stuff that you kind of just randomly need. But it cuts down on those irrelevant things. And is, are your kids, are are you going to really care that you're having the same thing? (laughs) My kids would eat spaghetti every night if I would make it. Exactly. (laughs) And they would love it. And think about how much time you would have for like things that you would value and you find important. So like really auto, like looking at your life and figuring out what can you automate? What can you just kind of put into a routine like clothes? I remember I was reading this uh, book on like creating habits Mm -hmm. and they were talking about like how Barack Obama always wears either a gray or a navy suit every single day because now he doesn't have to make a decision of what he's going to wear. Wow. And Mark Zuckerberg is the same thing. He wears jeans and a black t-shirt every single day. And Mm. I was like, could I do that? Like, could I wear the same? It's like the capsule wardrobe. It's just like, it's all. (laughs) Could I wear just like trousers and a sweater every day and for my students not to be like, Dr. Monday, you're wearing trousers or a sweater. <laughs> like that would be awesome yeah. because there have times where I'm like, what am I going to wear? Because like you just don't feel good about your body and it's yeah. like, yeah, it's it takes all of it out of it. Exactly. <laughs> so good. it's like, oh yeah. So like as much as that you can automate, but we'd also like, if you've ever seen that movie by Adam Sandler, Click, mm-hmm. um, where like the remote control just like fast forwards through his life. We don't want that. Yeah. We still want you to be, it's just like, Easy things like food, dinners, breakfasts, lunch. Um, what are you going to wear? Mm-hmm. Those kind of things. Yeah. Automating those things, I think, will make your life easier because then you don't have to make so many decisions. And then you're making healthier ones because you're spending time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you don't have the decision fatigue. Good. I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. So something you're hitting on here too, though, is automating. And I think that involves bringing our kids into that process as Mm -hmm. well, that we have to offload some of these decisions onto them, that we have to teach them some autonomy. Mm -hmm. We need to, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to prepack these things and you throw whatever into your lunch or whatever, 
that we give them some responsibility for mm-hmm. choices. So what are ways we can do that and maybe like in age appropriate mm-hmm. kind of ways right. that we can start to make them responsible for some of these things. Absolutely. Cause I think what, what happens a lot of the time and I find myself doing it too, is that like we will make choices for our children because we're trying to move them through the process and trying mm. to get things done, especially for single moms. Like, you're on your own. Like you're having to probably, it's much easier to make their decisions for them. Oh yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, as long as they're not pushing back, yes. But I think the the thing is we make too many for them Mm -hmm. and then they get mad and they get kind of resent us. Right. And they don't like to be controlled. So then it's like they start pushing back and then it's not, not an efficient process. Right. And so then I think kind of introducing choices. So a lot of the times, um, for, I will start off with like little decisions, things that I don't care. Like Mm -hmm. I don't value, I don't care about. So like clothing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I showed you a picture earlier, like my son was literally wearing (laughs) underwear on his head because that's what he chose to like that's what he chose to, he was wearing clothes, yeah. which is different for him, <laughs> um, but he was wearing under. And so it's like, okay, so I allow them when they're much younger, mm-hmm. like I'll say, I'll pick out like twins. So they're, you know, under, I would say under three, I'll pick out like two shirts and you want to limit the choices. Mm-hmm. So like two shirts, two pairs of pants. Okay. You choose either the blue shirt or the green shirt, mm-hmm. you choose the jeans or the leggings, whatever. And so allowing them and then just being okay with what they're wearing. Mm-hmm. And then as they get older, then you can, you know, then say, okay, go get dressed because now they have the confidence that they can make the choice. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't mind what they're wearing, well, then you don't mind what they're wearing. But if you do care what they're wearing, then you probably want to put some parameters on there yeah. and just choose, you know, if you're doing like family photos yeah. and you kind of care what they wear, yeah, yeah. then you want to kind of specify, okay, you have this choice and you have this choice. And I think another one with language that you use. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the times when my children are doing something that I don't necessarily agree with, I'll specifically look at them and be like, that's not a choice. Mm-hmm. That is not an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll hear that and they'll know what that means. And they'll be like, okay, that I, you have choices. Yeah. Because you always have a choice in the matter. You always have to decide something. Mm-hmm. But that that's not a good choice. Yeah. And I'll use that language like that's not a good choice. That's, you know, um, that's not an option. That's not a choice yeah. to kind of. But allow them to make those decisions mm-hmm. and be okay and not. I think the, one of the worst things that you can do, especially when your children start to get through, like if you think about um, psychosocial development. Mm-hmm. And so when they're in the preschool years, you hear them say, no, mm-hmm. because, and it's not because they're trying to defy you. It's because they're trying to develop autonomy mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out how can they be the best versions of themselves and kind of have a little bit of say. And so knowing that when they say no to you, it's not because mm. they're being jerks and you have to be okay with them making decisions because then later on, they're going to be able to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to tell, like, criticize those decisions mm-hmm. because then what you're doing is you're just making them feel inferior. Mm-hmm. And so, like, being okay with the decisions that they make mm-hmm. um, and not criticizing them for it, which well, I, I think is true. I think that's, I mean, that, that's something we can fall into a trap very mm-hmm. often of saying, like, 
there's this choice and this choice, but this choice is really good. Right. <laughs> I really prefer this choice. No, you have to yeah. like... You really have to like put it down. Mm-hmm. And I think even what you're saying though is that no isn't necessarily always a mark of defiance as mm-hmm. much as it's another choice. It's right. a choice they're hoping's on the table that exactly. you're saying... No, that's not on the buffet line here. Right. Like, <laughs> that is not one of your, you have not, all these options, but that's not one of them. And I find, I mean, we have the same thing with like getting dressed in the morning mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's, we know generally speaking, we need to be weather appropriate. We right. need to be school appropriate, mm-hmm. but though we know these are the parameters, there's right. always that, mm-hmm. can I, can I offer this choice instead though? And right. it's like, no. And they're going to push those boundaries. Yeah, and then it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. nope, that's not, that's yeah. not an option. Yeah. And then I think you, then you get into like the teenage years, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's when, you know, career choices come in. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you the number of times where parents will not allow their child to make their own decision when mm-hmm. it comes to career choices. Wow. And then like, there's that resentment that mm-hmm. enters in yeah. and then the students not doing what they want to do. And they're only doing this major because their parents have mm. like forced them. And it's like, this is not good for anybody. Oh, wow. So you kind of have to sit back, pull yourself back, not be that helicopter parent. Yeah. Cause that doesn't bode well for anybody Yeah, because you're putting too much stress on yourself. It's exhausting. Cause you're now making 140 choices a day instead of just your 70. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of have to pull back and realize that, they're going to learn. Yeah. Um, and you have to sometimes allow them to to make mistakes because they're going to learn through those mistakes. And that's that's okay. And we don't want to put them in a bubble. Yeah. Like we want to allow them to make mistakes when they can make mistakes mm-hmm. and learn from those mistakes. But then still realize like, they can make good decisions. Yeah, and I think that's the balance there. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're talking about, here's some strategies, some ways to think about things and all that kind of stuff, but there is this spiritual component of having faith and mm-hmm. understanding that we serve a good God who loves us and that even in mistakes, we can grow, we can become stronger, we can become better. And that's the one thing I can say, you know, going through this extremely unpredicted you know, <laughs> season of my life mm-hmm. that though there were a lot of missteps and mistakes that were made in that, I've grown so much stronger through them. And just realizing that we do the best that we can, mm-hmm. but there are some things that are beyond our control. And those are the things that we just walk in, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just have found over and over, and I think as we talked about a little bit, you know, just that healing journey that my ability and my confidence in making decisions has increased because my faith has increased because the challenges have increased. Mm -hmm. And so when you see that you've made a huge life altering decision and things that did not work out and I can still live with the consequences Mm -hmm. that I can still live with a lot (laughs) and I can still work through a lot. I can grow through a lot. And so we don't need to have as much fear walking into some of these things because there is life beyond Mm -hmm. even any you know, life beyond mistakes. <laughs> right. And one of the the fun kind of uh, examples I use with my students when they, they're, they're experiencing that fear of making a mistake, I always look at them and I'm like, okay, I want you to imagine the last time you died because you made a poor decision. Mm. And then they're like, oh, we <laughs> know. Happened. It, ha- it hasn't <laughs> happened. And it's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, you're gonna, you're still gonna live, and like that's another kind of thing. It's like when you're trying to kind of think about like how big is this decision? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna matter in five seconds? Is it gonna matter in five minutes? Is it gonna yeah. matter in five years? Yeah. Like 
on the grand scheme of things, the vast majority of our choices are probably not going to matter mm -hmm, mm -hmm. any longer than five minutes from now. Mm -hmm. Well, and there may be some, and, and generally right. the ones that are on mm -hmm. that scale, they're not stepped into lightly, right. or you may not even have any control over them. Exactly. You know, and mm -hmm. so it's just, there are those things that occur and it, it's basically, what is the next thing I can do? What yeah. is my next choice, mm -hmm. my next step? Right. So good. So as we're wrapping this conversation up, I'm just so appreciative for the perspective that you've provided mm -hmm. in this conversation. And I ask every guest at the end though of the interview, if you had just one more thing that you just like tie up the conversation, one thing you'd want a single mom to know, what would it be? I think it's kind of feeds nicely off of what you just said is that you are stronger than you think you are. Mm -hmm. And that if you make a, a choice, because I won't say a bad choice because mm -hmm. it's not a bad choice, mm -hmm. but if you make a choice that doesn't, that you get consequences that you don't necessarily like. Mm -hmm having the understanding and the reassurances that you can come out okay because you're stronger than you think that you are. And so just put one foot in front of the other and figure out what can you do in this moment to get your life back on track. Mm, that's really good. Thank, Thank you, you so much. <laughs> so as we wrap up though, tell listeners if they want to get in touch more, follow along with you. How can they do that? So Instagram is probably the best one on Twitter. It's the same handle. It's D-R-D-R-E-M-A-T-A. -E so Dr. Dre Mata at, or for Instagram and Twitter. Um, I also have a podcast. It's called The Bright Spot Podcast. Mm -hmm. We have, um, it's on all of your, wherever podcasts are found. Yeah. Um, you just search, probably the easiest way is just search my name. So Andrea Mata, um, because there's a few podcasts Bright called yeah. Bright Spot Podcasts. Um, it's such a so, good name. It is such a good name. I agree. Um, but then you can also find us on Instagram where there's like a direct link to it. It's Bright Spot underscore podcast. Um, and then you can also, I have a website for my private practice at brightspotohio.com. And then you can also email me at admin at brightspotohio.com. Fantastic. And I'll have links to all that in the show notes to make Perfect. it easier. But I'm just so thankful you could join me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The Bible tells us that we do have the ability to make choices and plans for our lives, but that God is with us in that process and that by walking in step with Him as we make decisions, that He will guide us on the right way to go. And we'll be talking a little bit more, as I said, about that spiritual side in a few weeks, but I hope that you were able to gain some insights into your mindset that might help you to get more clarity as you do make those plans and preparations. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. 
I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. Thank you.